0: Hello, and welcome to TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Learners. Sorry, English Language Teachers. (laughs) I am Eileen Hale, the COO of TTELT, and I have a special guest with us today, Nicholas Gordon, who is going to share with us about conversational writing and how that connects with our topic for the month of experiential education. A quick introduction of Nicholas and then I'll turn it over to him. Nicholas Gordon is an outreach coordinator with the English language programs at Georgetown University, which is a program of the United States Department of State. He has taught English in South Korea, Saudi Arabia, Ukraine and New York where he worked at, in the city university of New York's intensive writing program. As an English language fellow in Ukraine, he served as the director of the English Writing Center at the National University. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce more formally uh, Nicholas, and thank you for joining us today. We're really happy to have you here. How are you doing today, Nicholas?
1: <laughs> Great. Thanks so much for having me, Eileen. I love the, your program, the goal of helping English teachers and learners around the world, offering tips. So I'm really happy to be here.
0: Thank you. We really appreciate your time. Um, would you like to share anything more about yourself that I didn't touch on in a little introduction? And maybe as you talk about your life in Georgetown, which is in the United, in the United States, in Washington, D.C., maybe share with our listeners how you got into this area of conversational writing.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, I've taught for 15 years. I was in uh, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, New York and Ukraine. And when I was working in New York, as you also mentioned, I I was in the City University of New York's Intensive Writing Program. I worked at three different branches of CUNY actually. I was in uh, City College in Harlem, LaGuardia, Community College in Queens, and Lehman University in the Bronx. And I I loved the program. We had students from all over the world. One thing I noticed was we, as we would prepare the students for the standardized writing test, a lot of these students were trying to build their writing skills to get out into regular matriculation out of ESL classes. And to do that, they had to pass a standardized writing test. So we worked towards that a lot. And we, Um, you know, practice many different uh, academic writing tasks and collegiate essay structure, you know, thesis statements and um, paragraphs of topic sentences and supporting sentences and all that and citing their uh, references and resources and the students got really good at it. The only problem was I noticed that they didn't really, there wasn't a lot of joy a lot of times. I think in my experience teaching ESL is students get excited about speaking activities Speaking is usually a fun thing. They they think, oh, okay, I'm going to interact. It's, it can be humorous and it's very social. And then when it came time for writing, it was kind of a uh, okay, you know, I, I got to do this task. And it was very private. It was really like a, a solo activity they would do, kind of each student in a silo, and they were only writing for me, an audience of one, as I a red pen audience of one, as I phrased it in my book. So I, I really wanted to. I wanted to shift their perspective on writing, change their whole experience of writing, if I could, and make it into something that they actually thought was lively, engaging, fun, and very social. So that's kind of how I came to this idea. And I had developed it, at City University of New York. And then when I was a fellow in Ukraine, I also was uh, working in the Writing Center at the National University, as you mentioned. And there as well, I, I was working again with intensive writing program and developing writing workshops. So I continued to hone the technique um, that I, that my students found, um, enjoyable and beneficial.
0: Super. Um, just to, for our audience, would you say this is applicable for all age levels or more like high school university levels? What has been your experience with it and could it be applied to different ages as well?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. No, you know, I absolutely think this can be used with any level and I, even would say I, I had one blurb for the, the book. I had a recent book on the topic published and I had a blurb from a, a director of the writing program at Berkeley. And I noticed she wasn't an ESL teacher. So I think this is a very adaptable activity. And I, the good thing about it, I think any of our teachers, my colleagues, as we know, teachers are always creating their own materials all the time. So I think this is very, um, adaptable and that many teachers can create their own versions of it. That's what I like to encourage. It's a very DIY, do it yourself activity. I haven't had as much uh, experience using it with young learners. Some of my friends and teaching colleagues piloted it for me with their younger learners and they enjoyed it as well. And in the book, I have some more challenging units that are, um, or in my experience, for higher level students and then some for lower level, even working with basic verb tenses and still it can be the conversational Uh, the same technique and same approach. So I think it's highly adaptable depending on your level students.
0: Super. Thanks for answering that question. Um, And just for our listeners, can you just give a quick overview? What do you mean by the term conversational writing? And like, how do you define it? And give maybe some examples for us. What does it look like?
1: Yeah. Well, for me, it's a double meaning. I think if, Take the words at face value. Conversational writing could mean, you know, when we think of a more conversational tone, it could be a little less formal. You know, we think of academic writing, we have very strict structural requirements and formality, which is good, and we need that. However, I think it can be helpful for students to loosen up and play with the language a little, experiment with tone and wordplay. And to do that, you can sometimes use a more conversational tone that oftentimes can mimic even social media platforms that students are chatting and commenting in. So that's one the first meaning I use. The second is that it's an actual conversation. So it's the one, it's the tone, kind of a relaxed, uh, relaxed style of writing where students feel free to comment any way they want. And the second is that it's an actual conversation that if I, if I am writing first to one of the prompts and then I pass it to Eileen after, she's gonna read what I wrote and respond to another prompt. So usually each page would have four or five prompts. There's usually a setup. For example, I might give a character who works at a strange job. I think one of them I have is a water slide tester. So I give a description of that person's job, and then I give four prompts related to that. So the student can choose one prompt. For example, the prompt might say, how I first got into this field. So the student's writing from the perspective of the, the water slide tester. And they can respond to that. And when they pass their paper, the next student would read that, read the response of me and they respond to another prompt in there. So the conversation is ongoing. It's based on one character or situation. I call it a sketch and that's what teachers can create. And then there's four different prompts. And then so every time a student finishes one, they pass. And so the conversation is ongoing in that sense.
0: So it makes it very interactive, it sounds like. How many people do you have? People work in groups?
1: Um, yeah, it's usually if it depends on the number of prompts per page. Um, usually four or five is a good amount for a group. I have some longer ones. If it's just a verb tense, I think I have some with six, but it's usually four, four to five is a good amount.
0: Can you give like maybe one more example of a conversational writing prompt that could be applicable globally for something? the topic that most of us around the world can all relate to? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, I think, for example, one way I, I've adapted this for lower level learners too, and I think that's something that everyone has um, experience with is kind of our you know, daily life. and How do we spend our time? For example, with these prompts, if I would ask for the um, present simple verb tense, and then I, with each prompt, I would give them an adverb of frequency. So for example, it could say, on weekends, I often... And the student would complete the sentence and that you encourage them to add a lot of details, examples, reasons. That's a part you need to coach on a little and demonstrate for your students that they can have fun with it. You know, they don't they should add more more explanation or any anything they can put in to make it fun. So, for example, on weekends, I often um, in the summers, I usually um, uh, let's say. Before, Go for a walk in the park. <laughs> yeah, something like this, right? Uh, before going to bed, I never... So they're, they're supposed to respond. The target there, would target language would be present simple um, and using those adverbs of frequency. And it's kind of a universal topic that everyone could relate to there. I also have some, if they're more social issues or topical, as you're saying, that kind of mimic the TOEFL style test. And this is, net, for example, if you could say uh, technology um, is... Uh, a crisis in modern society, and then students can respond either some reasons I agree with this prompt or some reasons why I think technology is a, the best part of my life, and so that you give them a variety and then they could respond to some of the negative things about technology in daily life. so I have some more there's you can tie in topical issues as well
0: that's great what have you what's been your responses from your students how in terms of how successful it's been and the benefits for them to actually have more practice with language fluency in your classroom and even outside the class? Have, is it a way that they can take it outside the class to use it as well?
1: Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, one key thing here is with like any new activity with our students, at first it's strange and they're usually, you know, a bit stunned into, it. you know, they're, they're going along with it and enjoying They're they're great participators, but I think it takes a while for them to understand And once they really, you know, once you demonstrate the task and participate with them, and then I've seen my students really have some joy with this and come alive. And you see the humor and the engagement and then students sharing their work after from their group members and and the teacher as well. I encourage you to read, take a group when you finish the task, take a sheet and read it because it adds a lot of humor. And the teacher can lead a discussion about the activity and the writing responses, asking the students what they found challenging with it or what they enjoyed about it. And then it helps the teacher too try to modify as you go along. But I think I can talk in a moment how to prepare them. But I think getting them familiar with the activity first is a key. One way to take it out of the classroom, I would encourage students to try this at home to see the results for, you know, for them to act as the kind of the group discussion leader with the writing sheet. They would encourage their, for example, their mother, father, uncle, maybe they have a friend in the neighborhood, they would encourage them to write. To one response, and I think this can add in some kind of community engagement, and then it can help the student also be kind, of, kind of develop their discussion leader skills as they lead the activity.
0: So, how would they use it if their family members don't speak English? <laughs> how would you take it to a native English-speaking population, let's say in the Ukraine or South Korea or somewhere where you have worked before? How would you use it in the community in that aspect?
1: Mm-hmm. I would modify it to the Basic prompts because it's a it's a good question, a good point. We never want to overwhelm our students or any participant, even if they're outside the classroom, with something that they might feel discouraged. I can never do this and I won't be able to speak English. However, if you give them a very simple basic prompt to respond to, you know, for example, I have one section called my favorite things, and it just says my favorite place, my favorite animal, my favorite. Now, they could give a one-word response. That's a start. And and however, then if they would say my favorite animal is a dog, okay, then you could encourage what kind of dog? What is it color? Basic. So they're incrementally kind of increasing. But I think even at the most basic level, you could have ask a participant, even if you go into the community, uh, for example, a Boys and Girls Club, non-native English speakers where I've also worked before in San Francisco, and just encourage them little English vocabulary, single words, you know, uh, my favorite thing to shop for my favorite free time activity. And this way they can slowly feel like they're really participating in the the activity of conversation, writing and communicating, even if it's just a word, two words,
0: building. Super. Yeah, that's great. I remember when I was working in Albania, they had the American corner. I know a lot of countries around the world have that or Fulbright is around the world. We have a lot of uh, English uh, teaching assistants who would work with your students, um, just giving ideas for our listeners out there for how to find some native English speakers in your community. The U.S. embassies in your areas will often have a lot of uh, resources for you to find native English speakers as well, where your students could practice this technique. So these are all great ideas. Thank you, Nick. Um, Would you mind sharing uh, the advice you'd give to teachers who might want to tomorrow, integrate it into their classroom, or Monday, we'll say, after they listen to this on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, what are some practical ways that you could share? I know you've created a book from this. Um, how to start, where would, how would you suggest that they start implementing your conversational writing activities? I
1: think there's two keys to really developing the foundation where students are gonna be comfortable with this activity. One of them, as I'm sure you've practiced before too, Eileen, is free writing. And this is something that any teacher could do tomorrow. And I'm sure many of your listeners have practiced as well. And as a refresher for us, the goal with free writing is usually you set a brief time limit, whether it's three minutes or five minutes. That can be a long time if you're writing continuously. And you let your students, you encourage them to be free. Freedom is the key here. They just need to write. And even professional writers still practice free writing, all levels, beginners, And the goal is not to not worry about perfect grammar or mechanics or punctuation, any of that, just to get some thoughts on the page. And the beauty is even if your student says, I feel stuck, you write that down. I'm stuck, I don't know what to write. You just keep writing and it is, ideally it really loosens you up and frees you where you can get past the point of overthinking or blocking and just producing some words. So free writing is one, that's a key to start. You can give your students a prompt for that, you know, even something basic of something I'm looking forward to, or um, a goal I have, you know, a role model, or you can just have it open with no topic, no prompt. A prompt can help though, give students some guidance. The second key one after free writing is what we call the double entry journal. And this is something I've used with every level of student, every age and every level. And it's basically just where they respond to a, a piece of text they respond to it in any way they can. And again, you can adapt this for any level. For example, if we're reading, let's say an article or a book, and you have to demonstrate this for your students, but you find one sentence or quote and you respond to it. So you copy that down on one side of your journal and the double entry is your words, your thoughts. Now, how you can respond, again, total freedom. So if you find a sentence or two that you like from an article you're reading as a group or even a shorter piece if it's a lower level or a book, You copy that down and you respond, did you like it, dislike it, agree with it, disagree with it? Did you have any questions about it? Was there something else you'd like to comment on? Did it remind you of something? So that's the double entry journal. And that is very, uh, a key element of conversational writing too, because a lot of times students are getting the paper, they're free to write anything they want, but they can also look at what their classmate has written and then think, ah, okay, how, how might I respond to that with my own prompt? So those are two keys, practicing free writing and the double entry journal.
0: Uh, Sorry, discuss the concept of free writing and demonstrating the uh, task of double entry journal, which create prompts that invite description. Uh, Also, you talked about encouraging creativity and flow. It makes me think, too, of speaking. You could do these exact same thing in speaking activities as well as writing activities. Uh, You want to share a little bit more about how you let your students know they're free to respond
1: to prompts? You know, this was an interesting issue because on the plus side is that your students might get very good at writing an academic paragraph. They can get very uh, excellent. They're they're doing well and improving at that topic sentence and support and concluding sentence. However, with this activity, you really want to encourage freedom. Again, it's kind of like these days, they're all, all on social media and someone will share something and many people are commenting. In a way, conversation writing kind of mimics that in that they can respond any way they want. You know, it can be serious. It could be thoughtful. It could be humorous. So you really want to encourage that freedom and kind of let them know this doesn't have to be a perfect sentence. It can be a more conversational tone um, and they can go in any direction they want.
0: Super. And details, the importance of details.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) This one, again, needs to. it takes some practice, but I think Sometimes students can answer a prompt very we've all had the moment, including ourselves, when you give a, a, you know, very brief answer and you say, that's it. I'm good. You know, but I think the key to this activity, because when you set the time limit, a student gets a prompt, they might have three or four minutes to write. So you really want to encourage them, add some details, anything you can think of, a reason why you said that. What's an example? Do you have an anecdote, a little story that might describe why you said that? really kind of encourage them to, they write one sentence and then build on that.
0: Super. And how do you facilitate the group members sharing their work?
1: Yeah. At the end, I think um, after you set the time limit, this part helps because it, even though there's freedom, you do want to add a little bit of structure. So students get, develop some proficiency with reading and responding to stuff still in real time as they will have to do in in standardized tests or most academic settings. so, And also it lends some pace. So you want to set a time limit, and then at the end, within the group, each group member will finish with a sheet. Because usually if there's four group members, you want to have four different sheets. So each group member is writing, responding to a different prompt each time. So at the end, you can read your prompt, your little sketch, and then read each prompt that students responded to and kind of act as the discussion leader of the group, trying to guess who wrote what or commenting on it. And then the next person could go, for example, if you were a and then you'd read your sheet and go on. And here's also where I would say finally, as I encourage, it really, I I learned this later as I was doing this activity, and I I realized it changed, it really changed the whole mood in a positive way. The teacher absolutely should read, take a group member's one of their sheets and read it to the whole class because it really added some gravitas and some meaning and some humor to hear the teacher's voice reading the student's work And then a lot of students were opened up to discussion on that as well.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing these great tips with our audience. Um, If people want to find you, Nick, how can they find you and learn about some of your resources?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to connect with people on uh, LinkedIn if they want to find me on there. I'm Nicholas Gordon. I think on I don't know if I share it here. I can on Instagram. I'm Crow Meadow. And put that into my notes for you. Sorry. Okay. And my email, I think, did did we include that? I can add it too. I would love to hear from anyone with their thoughts, questions, or uh, reflections if they try the activity.
0: Fantastic. And you have a book that has a lot of these activities in it, correct?
1: I do. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Eileen, I was fortunate to have my book published because I've had great fun and success with my students using it. But I really think any teacher at home or anywhere can create their own versions of this you know, you don't need to purchase a book to do it. That's, and even in the book, I give blank templates and encourage the teachers and their students to create their own scenarios and prompts. You know, as I said, the students should be free and have fun. The same goes for the teacher. You can kind of let your imagination go and really try to create some situations or scenarios that your students might find it interesting to respond to.
0: Fantastic. And we'll share links to um, Nicholas's LinkedIn account, his email, and his book for those who are interested. And Learning more about conversational writing and how you can use it in your classroom as well as in the community as an experiential education technique. Thank you so much for your time today. Any last things you might want to share before we do our final announcements?
1: You know, I just, as I mentioned, I'm so happy to be here for me as well. I'm always, you know, a teacher's always picking up new ideas and tips from other teachers. So I'm happy to contribute a little bit to our community. I know it's Teachers are, we're always creating so much resources too. sometimes in a bubble. So it's nice when we get a chance to hear from others or share a bit of our own work.
0: Right. Well, thank you so much. And you have some great global experience. I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate your sharing with them today. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you and seeing your resources for our teachers. Thanks again, Nick.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much,
0: Eileen. And just for our listeners, our, Every month at the end of the month, don't forget our TTELT talks. This month of October will be Saturday, October 30th. We have two times, both 12 noon or 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is our chance to enable you to talk about topics which matter most to you. So email us with your questions or ideas ahead of time at tteltinfo at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And sorry, thanks you for participating with us. Stay tuned. We'd love you to follow us at ttelt.org. On our website, you'll see our weekly podcast. You can find them also in YouTube. And we appreciate you following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the above. Thanks again, Nick. We really appreciate you joining us today. And uh, we'll be in touch with everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend or week, whatever (laughs) day or time it is around your side of the world. Thanks again, Nick, for joining us. Thanks, Eileen. Appreciate it.